Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. season lockout special edition of the pinstripe valley podcast for festivus because it is a long tradition the pinstripe valley podcast to air some grievances while also saluting some feats of strength joining me as always is kudenshaw how are you uh, i'm all right <laughs> all right i'm just yeah. I'm a, I'm a little bit more depressed now that i was looking back on the 2021 season but i was doing well up until that yeah, it uh, turns out that we forgot that we even released a podcast since the uh, <laughs> right before the wildcard game. Apparently, we did one two weeks afterward where we talked about the Yankees holding on to Aaron Boone, but that sank out of my brain almost immediately. Yeah, and just so you, you guys all know, Andrew sent me the link to this podcast. I'm still not convinced it actually happened. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Yeah, I just used a very hyper-intelligence, Kunj-like AI to uh, talk with for like an hour. Kunjbot has become sentient. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, well, uh, the Yankees haven't exactly given us much reason to talk about them since then anyway, because their offseason basically consisted of, eh, we don't feel like doing anything, really. And then the league locked out. So unless they're really big into minor league free agent signings, What's up, Jose Peraza and Ender Inciarte? Woo! Wow, the Joely Rodriguez uh, slander will not be tolerated on this podcast. Yeah, shout out to Joely Rodriguez for being the only Major League roster transaction that the Yankees have done, which is just so, so damning. I remember once the lockout started, there were like a few lists of some teams that had done absolutely no major league signings. I was like, wait, wait, shouldn't the Yankees be on there? And then I was reminded, oh, right. They uh, saved $500,000 or whatever by re-signing Joely Rodriguez to a different contract than his option. Yeah, it, it is kind of hilarious that the Yankees only major league uh, that has happened so far this offseason has involved them saving money instead of spending money. <laughs> Yeah, and then, like, other than that, like, letting Clint Frazier, Tyler Wade, uh, Rugnit Odor all go, trading Nick Nelson. Boy, these are some real barn burner activities, let me tell you. Yeah, I mean, Clint Frazier is probably the only real notable one right. there. But, but even that, I felt, like, very much, like, writing on the wall. 
yeah, like it, it wasn't surprising news at all. No. Sad, sure. Surprising, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Wish him well in Chicago. Yes. And uh, I do like that both Tyler Wade and Andrew Velasquez ended up on the Angels. <laughs> I forgot Tyler Wade ended up there. Yeah. Hey, the they are finally committed to giving Trout and Otani some good supporting characters. Well, if uh, Yankees fans were to believe, he believed these guys are the stars. Oh, so. yeah, that's true. How, how will they survive? It's unclear. I, I will say uh, Tyler Wade will give Shohei Otani some competition in at least one field, which is most handsome angel. That's true. I think Otani still got that, but. It's at Probably, least... but like, there's at least competition. Yeah, that's fair. All Outside right. of that, I can't really say that they'll contribute significantly much else. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay, I think we've talked about the 2021 Yankees postseason enough because, like, what is there really been? So, screw it. We're just going to go straight into Festivus unless you want to prolong this. I do not, actually. Thank you for asking. No. I, wow, I can't believe you don't want to talk about the, the Yankees more. <laughs> well, we're going to be trying to talk about the Yankees more in a different way, but at least it's a more engaging enterprise, I suppose, just because we'll be looking back on some of our favorite parts of the season, because there, there were there were some very scant good things in there, you know, but we will also air some plenty, plenty of grievances. Don't, don't you worry. Oh, there will be grievances. Uh, so I guess should we we should start off um, we'll start with the feats of strength just to keep it pleasant early on and then we'll uh, sink down into the pits of despair. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like if I if we start with the grievances, I might not have much energy to talk about feats of strength. <laughs> you know what? That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. At least at least bring me up. So when the grievances bring me down, I'll kind of just level out. <laughs> yep. All right. Who will be your first feat of strength? Giancarlo Stanton, because quite literally, the feats of strength could not be possible without that man and his strength. Specifically, I have written down his uh, last series in Fedway. That was uh, just a beauty of a thing to watch. And his home runs traveled for many, many feats, thanks to his strength. So you see what I did there? Yeah, you did. Yeah, that is maybe the best (laughs) embodiments of the feats of strength. (laughs) Yeah, no, um, John Carlson was pretty much a delight all year. And he, him having a couple of those monster stretches where he was just destroying the baseballs. But again, capping off like that final season in Fenway and just d- destroying the Red Sox in that regard was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Very, Grand, very That Grand Slam is going to stick out maybe as like, that might be our uh, the, the best Giancarlo Yankees memory so far, honestly, just because of how big that moment was. And how much basically they needed him to do that because so few other players on offense were doing much of anything this season outside of him and Judge. So if he wasn't getting yeah. it done, then yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, especially last year, like during the playoffs, and then this year, you know, throughout the season, he's been showing it's been a lot more pleasant than like what had what we had been seeing, which was just inconsistency. Whether it's because of lack of um, playing time in the field or just injuries, whatever it may be. Uh, it was nice to kind of see him put it all together and, you know, just do that. And that grand slam and like, was that the one that like left the park or was that the other, the the three run homer that left the park and just never landed? I forgot. Or maybe they both did. I think, I think it was kind of both, but I think, yeah. I think the three run homer may have gone farther, but the slam was like a bigger moment. Yeah. Either way, it was awesome. And had the wild card game been played at Yankee stadium, it probably would have been, that series, that game would have been his first feat of strength. But, you know, the stupid, stupid Fenway and the stupid, stupid giant monster. Yeah, he would have, he probably would have had three home runs in a, in a normal Yankee Stadium game there, but oh well. No, but, you know, Yankee Stadium's the only bad stadium, don't oh, you know? Yes, yes, it's the, it's the secret weapon. All right, well, perhaps not surprisingly, my feat of strength will go to Aaron Judge, who very quietly delivered his best season since this rookie 2017. He was at the heart of the lineup all year long. He played great defense. He hit 39 home runs and he was fourth for the AL MVP and was just extremely well-deserving of pretty much every honor that went his way. He was the guy that the Yankees needed him to be. 
and he was healthy all year, which he hadn't really been since that 2017, other than like bits and bits and pieces here and there. But like, it was good to see him put it all together again, if not only for a proof of concept, just that Judge can be a player like he was in 2017 again. Yeah, no, Judge having a great season and staying healthy and playing the majority of his games was absolutely welcome. Obviously, he had his uh, COVID IL stint. Outside of that, like, you know, there was no major injury or anything that he had to deal with. I think, um, you know, he, he's talked about now how he wants to stay a Yankee for life. I think right now is, would be a great time to sign him to an extension. But, you know, I'm not the Yankees front office because otherwise they'd be spending a lot more money. <laughs> but if, if not John Carlson, Aaron Judge is definitely very deserving of a feat of strength for sure. Yeah. They should have extended him a long time ago, and now it's just going to be more expensive. So good for Judge. Boo on the Yankees. Maybe they will figure this out once the lockout ends. But it seems like they may end up looking at it like a, do we extend Judge or do we sign a Correa? Which they can do both. So what are we doing, Aaron? I will just add one more thing about Judge, though. Like I was looking at, like, when I saw the final MVP, like, results come out, it was funny, like, I didn't actually expect Judge to finish fourth for some reason. Like, not that, like, I'm not saying he didn't deserve it at all, which I was actually happy he did, because, like, I thought, like, to your point, he had a very quietly very good year. So it was nice to see that actually be recognized. Obviously, you know, he didn't win the MVP, which is, again, fair. But um, him finishing fourth was actually quite a pleasant surprise because I felt like not enough people were talking about how good Judge had been all year. Yeah, it seems like a situation where, in the universe without Shohei Otani being a god in 2021, maybe we would have heard about him a little bit more as a dark horse in a race with Vlad Guerrero and Marcus Semien, maybe splitting some of their votes a little bit. But because Otani was Otani, it was just like, oh, Otani's just going to win MVP, and that's too bad for Vlad. And that was basically the end of the conversation. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And like obviously, uh, Vlad slowed down a little bit there towards the end, and Otani was just doing absolutely inhuman things. So. Yeah, it, yeah. It, I'm not going to blame Otani for that, that. It was just, like I said, a pleasant surprise. Also, Salvador Perez hit 48 home runs and led the league. And I still just. <laughs> that a was a thing that happened. More than Otani. <laughs> oh, man, that was so hilarious. I remember, like, the last like few weeks of the season, just out of nowhere, Salvador Perez just came out of nowhere to take the lead. I'm like, what the hell is happening? Because, like, it was basically Otani or Vlad Guerrero Jr. And then out of nowhere, it's like, hi, I'm Sal Perez, and I'm here today. One guy put Perez uh, second for MVP, which is uh, quite the call. Hey, you know what? I'll take it. Whatever, Salvi, you do you. I gotta gotta respect the kudos, the 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 cojones or whatever. Yeah, like you know what? Screw it. Salvi's the runner up to Otani. I don't care, Vlad. <laughs> you don't amuse me, Junior. Okay, uh, who's your next feat of strength? This probably is obvious to anybody who's listened to this podcast at all this year, but it has to be my favorite stay-at-home dad, Lucas Lidke. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he managed the trick. So yeah, like I said. We we talked about him in the in like one of the during the spring training pods about him making the team probably because he had a good spring, but and we talked about how it was just a feel good story. We didn't really expect him to contribute much or stay on the team for too long. We figured it was just like a fun spring training story that's going to carry on to the beginning of the season and then probably you know call it a day. But no, my man hung on all year. He pitched phenomenally. He was like one of the most reliable relievers in the bullpen. And uh, he obviously stayed on the team the whole season, uh, which was surprising. And uh, I, he finally gets to make it to arbitration, which he was apparently very excited for, uh, through, according to his Twitter. And he did it all while being a stay-at-home dad, which is just super impressive. Yeah, just one way to turn a storyline from like, as you said, just like, oh, that's that's interesting too. Oh, he's just um, one of the better, more reliable guys in the bullpen. He's there all year long. So whatever. <laughs> sure. Why not? Yeah, because otherwise he's like prime candidate to be like DFA'd or sent down or whatever his contract would have allowed to basically not keep him on the major league active roster. But he was just like, nope, nope, we're going to keep him. And good thing they did. Yeah, I had him listed on one of my possible feats of strength, but I had a pretty good feeling that you were going to end up taking your pal, the stay-at-home dad. Yes. (laughs) It it wouldn't have been right if 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 I didn't. Well, now he's especially a stay-at-home dad, at least, because I don't know what exactly he's doing either at at this point anyway. Yeah. 
But hey, I think uh, he ended up getting enough in arbitration that maybe he won't have to do one of these dumb side jobs that some uh, of these like quad A type players have to do in the offseason. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm I'm sure he's fine because you know now that he has an actual arbitration major league salary, that's you know something you can live off of. <laughs> yeah, I I did make a million dollars last year, unfortunately, so I can't speak from the same position. Yeah, neither did I. Just mm-hmm. in case anybody was wondering. <laughs> well. This has changed my understanding of this podcast. Here I was thinking that you're going to bring the bourgeoisie perspective. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, I will give my next few distractions to another member of the bullpen. One, Jonathan Loisiga, good old Johnny Lasagna, who turned himself from, you know, kind of like, here comes Johnny Lasagna into the game into, oh, good, this guy's in because he was maybe the best reliever in baseball for a good chunk of the season there until he got injured and missed a lot of September. So that sort of took him out of consideration for like Mariano Rivera reliever of the year award, but he was downright filthy for so long. And the Yankees really needed him considering how much instability there was at other spots at the end of the bullpen. Yeah. I think you kind of hit the, hit the nail on the head with the, Oh God, here comes Johnny Lasagna to, Oh God! Please put in Johnny Lasagna. Yeah. Like when you're when you're going from begging to never see this guy to begging to have him in the game, you know that this guy's done something right. Which again, hundred percent kudos to him. Yeah, like he the numbers on the season. You just take a quick look. Like he's had a one ninety nine ERA plus, which is good. A one point oh one nine WHIP, which is also good. And he also only allowed three home runs all year long. Compared that to last year when he was, you know, actually pretty decent, but still like kind of frustrating. And he also gave up three home runs, except that was in twenty three innings instead of seventy and two thirds. So oh. that's that's much better. Yeah, no, definitely an improvement. Yeah. So we'll look forward to see what he provides next year. But if it's it's got to feel good that the Yankees, you know, could produce another one of their homegrown relief talents like that again, because it had been a little bit since like the the Chad Green resurgence. Yeah, and Chad Green had himself another like just had himself an interesting season where he was good, but then there was definitely points where he just like pissed you off. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's may not even have been his fault. It was probably just like overuse and like fatigue. Yeah, that's so, the charitable nice just... version of looking at Chad Green's 2021, which is like on paper still very good, but uh, we we may come back to him later. Yeah, I I, I had him I have him both as his feet of strength and agreement, so that just kind of tells you. Exactly yeah, where that sounds about right. All right, what's your next feet of strength? So this is going to be very very specific. It's Nestor Cortez's mustache. Yes, super Nestor. <laughs> yes. Because I'm pretty sure that mustache is what powered him into having the phenomenal season that he did. Because, you know, obviously Nestor Cortez came in with very, very, very low expectations after, um, you know, having bounced around between Baltimore and Seattle in the past and just being very not good. But, you know, he came into this year out of the bullpen and they had to kind of use him as an emergency starter when they ran out of people who could throw baseballs and in like his weird hybrid role of a reliever and starter, he had a very, very phenomenal season. You know, he ended up pitching in 22 games, starting 14 of them had a 2.9 ERA an ERA plus of 148. So, you know, very, very good numbers. Um, all that over 93 innings and it's all because of his mustache. Yeah. And you can't prove me wrong. It was all powered by the mustache. Really? I mean, that's, I, I dare you to prove me wrong. Or try to didn't happen. Come on, get out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's all his mustache. Yeah, it is funny how they basically like accidentally fell into having this super reliable starter down the stretch. And it's like, yeah. oh no, I guess we have to just start Nestor Cortez for a few games and see what happens. And as it turned out, became like impossible to remove from the rotation because he was that reliable. So hey, way to go, Nestor. Yeah, and he was always just fun to watch because of his funky deliveries. <laughs> Yeah, and like it's it's certainly possible that he'll fall back to earth a little bit in 2022. But it's like some some of the research has shown that maybe his off-speed stuff and control of a wide variety of pitches might sustain for a little bit longer. So hey, we will see what happens in spring training whenever that comes around, maybe in April or May. <laughs> right? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. My next uh, feat of strength is going to be 
Clay Holmes because he's another guy who sort of rose from anonymity to become one of the more reliable members of the pitching staff. When the Yankees traded for him from the Pirates, it was very much a, wait, what? What are they doing? Because like, it's not like anyone was like heartbroken about the prospects they traded, at least anyone that was looking at it like sort of rationally. But like, you didn't really understand like, why why would they want Clay Holmes? He's been, he doesn't look good at all, but whatever. They found a way for everything to click for him, for his best pitches to really explode. And he turned into one of the best relievers that they had down the stretch. So, hey, and it looks like he'll be around for a little while too. Yeah, I mean, Hoy Park stands are probably uh, not enjoying your comment or appreciating your comments, but it was absolutely a, at the time, it was just like a, at least I think from your and my perspective, I remember correctly, it was just like a, who cares? It's Hoy Park. Who cares? It's Clay Holmes, whatever. Move. And yeah, like to your point, it turned out to be very, very, very good and very clutch. And it's good to see that he'll be around for a while. Yeah, well, the Diego Castillo army has uh, breached my apartment, so we will see. (laughs) I also, every time I hear, think about Clay Holmes, I just randomly think about Clay Rapata. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, only so many Clays, I guess, with the Yankees. Yeah, and they look nothing alike. They're not similar in any way, shape, or form, except for the fact that their first names are Clay. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Two white relievers. That's, that's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Clay Rapata. I do not know what you are doing as a Yankees legend this holiday season, but cheers to you i don't know sure why not moving on from not clay rapata what is your next two to strength um my next feat of strength is going to go to matt blake i on his second year on the job overall i mean the, obviously the rotation left a little bit to be desired but from the bullpen perspective and just overall i feel like the pitching overall just with him being able to transport clay holmes into something jonathan lysica uh, lucas Lickey, just like these random nobodies coming in and having the you know, strong strong seasons and no offense to that any of them by me calling them nobodies because they're more somebody's than i am but i think uh matt blake deserves a little bit of credit there yep that's true he turned into one of the yankees most valuable contributors just through like his making this pitching staff that everyone was sort of raising their eyebrows at very justifiably to pretty good piece of the puzzle because the offense sure wasn't guiding the Yankees to the playoffs, but the pitching staff managed to do it. And now it seems like the Yankees are taking an eye on their hitting staff to see what can we, what can we do to find like the hitting version of Matt Blake? Because he did some pretty great work and that's all you can really say. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it would be nice if they can find somebody to unlock that potential. Cause like, yeah, the pitching wasn't like perfect all year, but if they had a respectable offense this season, which outside of judge and Stanton, they did not, I feel like they could have done, they could have gotten a lot further and even on the pitching staff exactly as it was built. <laughs> yeah. No pressure, Dylan Lawson, new hitting coach. <laughs> Matt Dylan Lawson, our new. There pal. we go. And thus, the 2022 nickname was born, which who knows if we'll remember this podcast either. So <laughs> <laughs> good chance we don't. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, my next feat of strength will be one singular achievement, which is uh, Garrett Cole's three hit shutout against the Astros because that was one of the best pitch games I've ever seen. Granted, like, unfortunately, I was out of signal for a lot of that game, so I had to watch a lot of that via highlights afterwards. But just watching how his stuff crackled that night in Houston, this was all after, like, the sticky stuff breakdown. So it was impressive to see that he could still go out and shove. And, you know, obviously we didn't get much of that down the stretch due to the hamstring injury, but... I think it's enough of a reason to be like, okay, well, I don't think this entire contract is going to be a wash or anything like that. Garrett Cole is still Garrett Cole. Yeah, no, um, that specific performance, like, you know, he had his quote-unquote Mike Messina moment and everything too, which was great. Yep. Basically, he just told Aaron Boone to go, go back to the bench and sit. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> no, it, it was definitely awesome, awesome to see, especially, like you said, in light of the whole sticky stuff controversy or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, Garrett Cole, he's good. He's yeah. good at throwing the baseball. Just too bad that, like, you know, that last month basically took away his chance of winning the Cy Young Award, which is too bad, even though it's been how the more I've, like, heard about the Cy Young since the vote happened, more and more people were like, wait, I wonder if Garrett Cole shouldn't have got it anyway, because, you know, Robbie Ray beat him in some categories, but not, like, all. So, I don't know. It's whatever. But the thing is that Garrett Cole cost himself any certainty down the stretch. So, oh, well. Yeah, I, I just always assume, and this this might just be me being like a pessimist here, but I just always am going to assume if it's in any way debatable between a Yankee and not a Yankee, the not a Yankee is going to get it. <laughs> yeah. I've been burned by Judge's MVP season, which 
2017, which I'm still salty about. And Gary Sanchez is rookie of the year in 2016, which I'm also very salty about. So I'm just assuming that if it's between a Yankee and not a Yankee and it's close, then not a Yankee is going to get it unless the Yankee just is downright winning and there's like no close call at all. <laughs> yeah, like that's how basically A-Rod won his MVPs because it's just like so absurd. That's like, okay, fine. <laughs> I guess if we must. If we must give A-Rod an MVP for hitting 54 home runs, then I guess we will. <laughs> <laughs> the the writers or the voters voting for MVP or me trying to podcast like if we must <laughs> alright what's your next feat of strength so coincidentally enough mine is also a single achievement which is Corey Kluber's no hitter mm, um, forgot about that <laughs> yeah that was a thing that happened well he's on the raise now so screw him well that's why it's like eh, I don't want to give it to him overall Yeah, because well I mean there's many reasons to not give it to him overall outside of like a couple games there he hasn't he wasn't really extremely impressive at all but hey so good for him i guess for technically pitching this year after not pitching before but yeah that no hitter was just was a lot of fun um i've never seen or witnessed a like not i'm not even talking about in person but even on tv like i've never actually watched a full-on from beginning to end no hitter anything like that so that was just really cool to see usually because it hasn't happened for the yankees in a long time obviously and usually when other teams are doing it it'll just be like the you'll get the notification like so-and-so has uh, no as long no hits through six or seven and then i tune in so it was just nice from like the beginning just to see like him just be completely in control and on point it was phenomenal and outside of what is that that one walk i think uh which was you know just whatever it was just he was just complete control that game it was just incredible yeah that was it was a tremendously pitched game and he deserved all the honors that come with it hey he threw a no hitter no one had thrown a no hitter for the yankees since david cohen in 1999 so it was nice to see that streak snapped and Corey Kluber had a great story to go with it and i love that uh on that night in texas they were giving out so, some of the bobbleheads that were being given out were Corey Kluber ranger bobbleheads from this <laughs> one inning as a ranger yeah, because it was a what, mystery bobblehead night, which I'm just assuming from now on is just let's give away the bobbleheads we made that we can't use anymore night. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure that was it. But yeah, people getting the Corey Kluber bobblehead, Rangers bobblehead and him doing that in Texas was just pretty hilarious and icing on the cake. <laughs> yeah, then his elbow blew up and we never really saw him much again. So, oh yeah, well. And then when we did it, it wasn't fun. <laughs> yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I guess there's more shoulder than his elbow, but still. Something in that body of his. <laughs> yeah. Please do not be annoying for the Rays next year because I won't like that. And we will oh, revoke your feet, your feet of strength retroactively. He's 100% going to be annoying about it. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> okay. My feet of strength is going to go to Jamison Tyone, specifically midseason Jamison Tyone, who won AL Pitcher of the Month in July and became a very steadying force in the rotation when both Garrett Cole and Jordan Montgomery were going through some struggles and some COVID bouts too. Jameson Tyone really steadied the rotation for a little while. And then even though he got hurt down the stretch, he came back on a bad ankle to make a good start in game 162 to help the Yankees make the postseason. And then he had to get pretty significant ankle surgery just a few weeks later. So that is, again, quite literally a feat of strength. Jameson Tyone put it together and um, we'll see what he does next year. His timetable might be pushed back a little bit by this ankle surgery and rehab, especially with like not any communication specifically from the Yankees training staff during this lockout period, but we will see. Yeah, you can get annoyed of the fact that the Yankees even let it get to game 162 before they clinch a playoff spot, but when push came to shove, um, he shoved. And yeah, uh, hopefully that like, everyone kind of knew a lockout was coming. So they kind of maybe gave him like a whole binder of, hey, this is what you want to do here in a bunch of if else scenarios. Like if this, then do this. If not, then do that. But yeah, we'll see with the ankle. But overall, like in the beginning of the, of the season, it was kind of just annoying. He was kind of like disappointing rather whenever he would go out and pitch because it just wasn't coming together. But yeah, once he got hot for the most part, you know, you felt a little bit more confidence. And then you just knew like, okay, he can, you know, he actually can go out and pitch well. So now he just kind of has to put it together and do and repeat that. And he had been doing it all throughout the, the mid summer months. So Hopefully he can kind of put it back together for next year and, you know, be who they thought they were getting. And it's like, you know, it was understandable for him to have an up and down season overall coming, you know, again, also off of injury. So, you know, definitely kudos to him. Yeah. All right. What's your next feat of strength? All right. So this is going to be a little bit of a stretch, but I'm going to go with Brian Cashman trading for Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo. Now, even though the trades ended up being underwhelming overall, because Anthony Rizzo was fine. Joey Gallo was bad. Uh, at least offensively, yeah. <laughs> to put it lightly. 
But I think just even pulling off those trades and giving us some sort of hope of like actual moves rather like during the midseason trade deadline, rather than just like, Oh, here's some random, nobody like those are actual base baseball players that Brian Cashman went out and got. He had the very annoying scenario of having to deal with the luxury tax and, you know, how Sam Brenner not wanting to go over that and wanting to reset the, the threshold. So being able to maneuver through all that, take on no salary, add in an Anthony Rizzo, add in a Joey Gallo, even though again, I don't think anybody saw them being as disappointing as they were coming. So I can't really fault Cashman for that. I think those are, uh, especially Joey Gallo was a move. Everyone was, it was just the writing on the wall for like, why hasn't he been traded for the Yankees yet? And then pulling off an Anthony Rizzo trade, which nobody I don't think saw coming was uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, that was a pretty, it was a pretty good trade deadline other than the, uh, um, my first airing of grievance, which we'll get to in a little bit. And it's probably very obvious at this point, but we appreciate the <laughs> hustle of getting uh, Gallo and Rizzo anyway, even if it didn't entirely work out. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have one feat of strength left, and that is uh, Luis Severino making his comeback from Tommy John surgery and becoming a nice little bullpen weapon at the very end there. So I don't know if he'll really portend how healthy he'll be in 2022. They'll obviously have higher expectations, maybe another return to the rotation, hopefully. But even if it was just for a few weeks, it was nice to get that Seve energy back again. You could tell how much he loved being back out on that Yankee Stadium mound. Yeah, it was funny because I actually, that was my last uh, strength left as well. So I think we'll call it there. <laughs> yeah, we'll call it there. It was good, good to end on a good high Seve note. But yeah, I mean, there wasn't a lot to see from Seve, but what we saw so far was great. And again, just, I think we talked about it when he made his return where it's like, I wasn't looking to see the results. I was just looking to see him there and I saw him there and it was just very, very just like heartwarming to see him back on the mound at Yankee Stadium and or I don't think I remembered how much he can like electrify a fan base until he came back out. And I just saw like everyone in the stands going crazy. Oh, it was great. So yeah, it's hopefully... been so long since he was like a regular part of this team. You know, he was sort of part of it during the 2019 playoffs and, and a limited basis and was only sort of around that year, too, because he was dealing with so many injuries then as well. And you haven't really seen him in a full season since 2018, which at this point is going to be four years ago. <laughs> so, exactly. Hoy. Hopefully, yeah, would love to see our, a real Seve season again because he was just electrifying. Yeah, and if he can somehow come back and put it all together like, to the be the pitcher he was, that's like a true n- number two to Garrett Cole. Like that's what we've been looking for for the last couple of years. Like Garrett Cole needs somebody to slide in right behind him, and um, yeah, that if Luis Severino can do that or resemble his own self, he would 100% be that thing. Though I will add, please do not guarantee, please do not rely on that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, well, this is, we're getting Severino back. That's like signing a starter. Oh, no. <laughs> and just before we move on, I will give an honorable mention to Jordan Montgomery for putting in a solid season because I kind of forgot about him until I started talking about Luis Severino. <laughs> uh, the story of Jordan Montgomery, really. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much but no he, he put together a solid solid season he was one of the honestly one of the better pitchers or one of the better starters in baseball not like t- top 10 necessarily but he was reliable he was consistent he was out there every five days or whatever so kudos yeah you know he was one of the probably top 10 lefties in the american league last year so that's nothing to turn your nose up at he was perfectly fine if not better than fine so hey yeah. Hooray, Jordan Montgomery, boo, his last start of the season, because that was bad. Yeah. <laughs> and I mainly only say that just to transition to our airing of grievances, because, oh boy, we have some grievances to air. Yes. I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> now you're going to hear about it. All right, why don't you lead us off? DJ LeMayhew. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know where else to start. Obviously, he's in year. He was in year one of a six-year contract at, going into 2021 with high expectations after you know two very very phenomenal years at, in his first two years in, uh, as a Yankee. So to see him kind of revert back to that where he was what like just exactly league average, but didn't even feel that way was very disheartening and disappointing. Especially because we consistently, at least for the first couple of years, we expected him to be the leadoff hitter and hitting in front of Judge Stanton and all that. And just, just to see him be there leading off and then not do anything or get on base was very, very annoying. Yeah. That, it's just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's, it's, hard it. to put, it's hard to put words together about DJ LeMahieu's 2021 because, I mean, just because of the, the guy that he was in 2019 to 20, and like, even if he wasn't going to be that guy again, you'd hope that he could at least be okay. But it was just like, and I guess like even the numbers were like about okay, but it's not even close to like what they were hoping for. Maybe if he could be like, like there's a big difference between like a 110 OPS plus guy and like a 98 or whatever he ended up at. But it, it just was very, very frustrating to watch him totally revert back to, oh, this is who we thought they were signing when they originally got him from the Rockies. Yeah, it's basically that. It was just like, oh, that's cool. Those are, like, I mean, hopefully... And like you know, he he was battling. Uh, was it like the rib injury or tricep injury yeah. or some combination of both? Actually, I, I know the tricep. I think happened like a little bit later on, and that's why he wasn't playing a lot of third base. But I think that they said that he was dealing with like a nab- nagging like rib injury com- almost all season. Yeah, and then like near the what? end, at the end of the season, he had a sports hernia surgery. So or hernia, maybe that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. whatever it was. But it, it's like all right, people need to stop playing while they're hurt. Yeah, because. <laughs> Because I'd rather just miss you and be upset you're not there rather than be mad at you for, you know, being bad. Yeah, and, like, you're not even putting in, like, that credible performance on the field, then it's, like, I don't know what exactly you're contributing. Yeah. It's, like, like one thing if, like, he was great all year and then, like, coming come playoff time or come September, that's when it started feeling it. But then he was, like, no, I got to get through. Which, again, I still don't justify it at that point, but I can understand the logic there. But if you're dealing with something all year, I, I, I don't understand why I play through it. It's a long season. Go get it dealt with in the beginning, and then maybe you can come back. Yeah. I remember when, like, his extra base power just, like, totally vanished. It was just like, oh, this is great. Oh, I yeah, love that, watching that, this. That, he used to have extra base power. That was a thing. Yeah. He slugged 330 in September and October. So, great man. Oof. Two doubles and one homer. Really muscled Oof. up. Yeah. Ugh, well. Hopefully, DJ LeMay is at least able to come back to a bit better than what he was this year. It's okay if he's not going to be the 2019 to 20 version again, but he's got to at least be a decent bat in the lineup. Yeah. And also, <laughs> if he's slumping badly, he also cannot be at the top of the lineup for as long as yeah. he was. <laughs> they don't need to definitely find a better leadoff hitter. All right. Well, my first airing of grievance will be to another Yankee who underachieved well throughout 2021, so much so that he lost his position. Gleyber Torres, who probably was never really a shortstop in the first place. I don't blame the Yankees for trying. I do blame the Yankees for waiting so long to act on it. And But at the end of the day, Gleyber Torres has just got to hit better than he was showed this year. Because, again, it's an instance where, like, it's okay if you're not going to be the guy from 2019 again. The 38 homer guy was a, pri- a byproduct of the juice ball. And he's probably not that good, not that good a hitter, but he's not, he's supposed to be better than a 697 OPS guy. That's not who Gleyber Torres was expected to be. He's got to hit a little bit better than that. Otherwise he's not going to have a spot in the lineup. Yeah. And like the defense obviously was just bad or atrocious or whatever other adjective you want to use. But the thing is like, you can hide bad defense behind a good bat, but when the bat is bad, there's just no excuse for anything. So yeah, if he wants to stay in the field or in the lineup, he's got to hit better. He's got to produce. And then if you hit, they will find a place for you no matter what it is. It's just, if you're not hitting, what are we doing, even doing here? Yeah, in his last 169 games, he only has 12 homers. That's not going to be good enough for a middle infield bat at this point. Sorry, man. Yeah, and like 2020, you, you kind of maybe were like, oh, COVID is yeah. this weird season and whatever, sure. But you had a full season in 2021 and didn't do anything with it. I'm sorry, but <laughs> there's got to be better results here. Yeah, it's, that was like peak. It's not what you want. And honestly, mm-hmm. that's like what I was most frustrated that Marcus Timms couldn't fix because there are so many Yankees with promise who backslid in the past few years. And I'm sure that even if you gave him the best hitting coach in the world, maybe they would have backslid anyway because players are not necessarily representative of what coaches advise them to do. But Ultimately, the Bucks got to stop somewhere, and Marcus Timms couldn't stop one of the most talented young players in baseball from becoming one of the most frustrating. Yeah, and uh, that's a good segue into my next um, my next grievance, which is um, the offense overall. Yeah, not specifically just Marcus Timms, just overall offense. Uh, the offensive performance by the team was downright offensive. <laughs> ah, great. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, outside of Judge and Stanton, which we talked about, 
there's really not much praise you can give on this offense. Like people maybe had like a random good week here and there and all that, but nobody really else really had a good season, I, I would argue. And it was just extremely disappointing and frustrating to watch. I don't know how this team won 90 games, probably a byproduct of other teams actually being worse and just bad and tanking yeah. <laughs> rather than the Yankees, you know, managing to figure out ways to win. I think they just figured out ways to not lose because the offense did them no favors. <laughs> yeah. I don't know the last time I saw a, a group of players this talented on paper underachieve this much. Like a lot of fans were understandably frustrated by like, you know, the classic problems with that they put out with like this offense was like, Oh, it's all boomer bust. But the problem is that the boomer bust is supposed to work. Like, yes, it's worked in the past few years. You might say that it hasn't, but it has, they have, they were one of the best hitting teams in baseball since basically Tim's took over for a reason. And pretty much everyone projected him to be like that too. And that wasn't just like Yankees fans. That was like a lot of, you know, unbiased observers like, Oh, this will probably be a great offense. Instead, they were 10th in the American league and runs and they really didn't do that much. And it's hard to think like how they could look so bad when they have all that talent in there. But well, that was the, the 2021 Yankees. And also they hit into a million double plays. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to is like, yeah, you could be upset with the boomer bust strategy or whatever, but the fact of the matter is there was no boom and there was not enough boom in this Yankees offense. And that was the problem. If they, they maybe squeaked in a few singles here and there and just, you know, got on base, but there was really no power from up and down the lineup outside of the, the again, judge and uh, Stanton. The double plays were absolutely annoying. The just constantly grounding out. It was just like, oh God, like lift the ball, put the ball in the air. Results will have follow, but nope, nope, nope. It just was bad and annoying and frustrating and I hated it. And I don't ever want to see it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing that got them, they hit 222 home runs, which was tied for third in the American League, but they were dead last in doubles. It was very much like they weren't getting the regular extra base power that sometimes can right. help get a team over the top. And there's no reason that this team should finish behind the Texas Rangers in doubles. Like, what are we doing no. here? <laughs> yeah, no, it was God. bad. Yeah. 213 doubles. The Rangers hit 225. Imagine if the Yankees even had those 12 more doubles in opportune moments, you know, whatever. <laughs> Whatever, I'm not mad. I'm yeah, so this, mad. This, isn't, this isn't an airing of grievances or whatever. <laughs> anyway, I forgot that I was going to make this my top airing of grievances, but whatever, we're doing it now. Andrew Heaney, oh boy, what the... <laughs> what a, just a, a terrible, terrible trade acquisition that was like pretty much doomed from the start because people like looked at the home run rate and like, really? This is who we're, uh, this is who we're trying to do with? Yeah... He had that one random game, which nobody knows how he pulled out of his ass against Boston. Yeah. But um, <laughs> besides that, I don't think he knows that he pitched in that game. Besides that, it was a rough, rough showing for for this guy, that guy. Yeah. Like, what the hell was that? That was – and, you know, the Dodgers signed him, so he's probably going to, like, find some way to click next year, which, okay, Oh, great. 100%. But <laughs> – I see like occasionally he would pull off a pitch and be like, I guess that's what, that's what they were trying for when they signed him. Like, Oh, maybe he'll throw more pitches like that. But for the most part, it was just like meatball after meatball after meatball. And it was ugly, ugly, ugly. And he still got like what? $8 million this year. Yeah. Sounds right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the Dodgers just do throw away money in that regard, I guess sometimes, but oof. I think he got more guaranteed money than Corey Kluber did. For 2022. That was the thing. And Corey Kluber throwing throw no hitter. Yep. Andrew Heaney, you're just happy. I don't know what I was going to make. It was going to be a bad joke about like uh, no hits and hits or something. I don't know. I'm over it. I'm yeah. over Andrew Heaney. I don't want to talk about him anymore. 7.32 ERA. That's all. The end. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and uh, shout out to the 3.3 homers per nine innings. He gave up 13 homers in just 35 and two thirds innings. Is that is that good? That's good. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Honestly, thirteen even sounds low <laughs> compared to like Probably. what it felt like. Oh man, it was just it's rough. Yeah, then he was designated for assignment before the season even ended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's that one final game where there's like yeah, we had enough of you. Yeah, we'll we'll bury you in the the Tampa complex just because. 
Yeah, and like prior to that, he hadn't pitched in like two weeks or something like that either. So they just kept him along for the ride, I guess. Yeah. What's your uh, next area of grievance? It's going to be the overall performance against the Orioles. Yeah, yeah. Because the Yankees should beat the Orioles, and uh, they did not do that often or a lot. And it was really, really annoying and frustrating. I don't know what the hell happened, but if you wanna, if you wanna take a division lead or if you wanna make the playoffs, you gotta beat the bad teams like Tampa. They went like seventy-five and one against the Orioles this past season. I think those numbers are right. Don't don't quote me on it or do. I don't care. <laughs> but for the Yankees to lose as many games to the Orioles as they did this season was just unacceptable. I don't know what the hell happened, but you gotta do better than that. Yeah, they lost eight games to the Orioles, which yeah. you know, it's still a winning record. But come on, that that was the difference between hosting the wild card game and like maybe they lose the game at Yankee Stadium anyway. But <laughs> whatever, you can do it. The White Sox went undefeated against the Orioles. The Rays went, as you said, like seventy million and one. Don't quote me on that, but <laughs> yeah, like the Orioles were a bad team, and the Yankees made them not. And even like some of the wins were frustrating and like how the and like annoying and not easy, and it's like. And it wasn't even, like, because it was good baseball. It was just annoying because it was such bad baseball. It's, like, one thing if, like, you know, the Yankees lose to a team and it's just, like, a good game. Like, for example, the Field of Dreams game, perfect example. That was a fun baseball game, mm-hmm. which, like, yeah, it sucks that the Yankees lost. But that was, honestly, one of the best games that the Yankees put on all year. And that was not what we got against the Orioles, what we had to watch against the Orioles. It was just rough. No, we kept watching this lineup just fold over against terrible Orioles pitcher after terrible Orioles pitcher. It's just like, what are you guys even doing? Like, you the realize time... this is not like prime Jordan Zimmerman. This is just a guy named Bruce Zimmerman. <laughs> <laughs> wrong, wrong person, people. Yeah. And like the amount of times like they would go into a series against the Orioles and you and I would be like, well, maybe this time they'll remember they're playing the Orioles and just demolish them, and they did not. And obviously, a lot of that had to do with just Glaber Torres and DJ LeMahieu's seasons overall, because especially Glaber, who you usually just destroys the Orioles pitching and just didn't. But yeah, yeah. no, they, there were outings when they were dominated by Matt Harvey and Jorge Lopez, and it's like, what are we even doing? It's- yeah, remember because in the Matt Harvey game, I think it was like early in the season, we're like, oh my god, is is it is Matt Harvey back? And Matt Harvey was not. No, he was not back. The Yankees were just shitting the bed. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff, man. Yep. All right. Well, my next uh, Aaron grievance will be at the uh, Roldis Chapman terrible stretch in the middle of the season. Oof, um, that was bad. It was one of the uh, just a truly abysmal performances. And this will stand as one of the worst technical all-star seasons that I can remember, because obviously they did like the all-star voting among players or whatever before, like he totally went in the tank, but he was so bad and unplayable for like a month where he was just like giving up tanks and getting crushed. And it's just like, well, is this guy even going to find it or what's <laughs> yeah. It was like, we're not even, it's well documented that we are not fans of this guy anyway. So, right. That didn't help. Yeah, that made that definitely made it worse. And then there was like, and what pissed me off, especially about that, and it's going to go back to what I was talking about with DJ, is that they were talking about this like lingering fingernail issue or whatever, which could have been like affecting him. And it's like, all right, did he do, did he really help anybody by going out there and pitching games? No, right? So sit him the down i'm sorry that you're gonna have to edit that but sit him down get him off the team for a little bit let him sit and heal his nail go get a a manicure and just call it a day (laughs) just take a breath it's fine (laughs) oh man yeah Yeah, that was rough (laughs) yeah and again it was one of those instances where like a blown save that doesn't happen here blown save that doesn't happen here and maybe the yankees are in a much better position for october but oh well yeah not that they deserve to be, but... <laughs> no. No. All right. What's your next? I'm not exactly sure how to title this, so I'm just going to go into my explanation. But it was basically just how unwatchable the Yankees were. And it's not just the offense, but just everything overall. Like, since I became a baseball fan, which admittedly, it's not like all 30 years of my life or whatever. Um, but since I became a baseball fan, I very much blessed with having been become a Yankee fan in the sense that I've never really had to deal with truly, truly terrible teams. But like even like the 2013, 2014 teams, which were bad, especially by Yankee standards, I never really gave up on watching them. I never thought they were really unwatchable. It was actually, you know, still entertaining to kind of follow along. 
this team is a team that won 90 games, 91 games, however many games. I keep forgetting the number. I probably change it every time I mention it. They won over 90 games, and I just could not deal with them. I could not tolerate them. They were so annoying. Yeah. Like so many, so much of this game, this team's like highlights, which again, there aren't, there weren't many highlights. I ended up watching after the fact. Fortunately, I tuned into Corey Kluber's uh, no hitter. Like that game, I had been actually happened to be watching Garrett Cole's game. I turned in, I think, uh, at the third or fourth inning, but that's just because I had stuff to do. But outside of that, I just wasn't watching because this team gave me no reason or motivation to watch. I could be doing so many other things. I could be rewatching Cheers or Frazier for the 700th time. And I'd rather be doing that than watching this team. And it sucked. I missed it. I missed watching the Yankees or being excited about like, oh, hey, there's a game on tonight. Like, I'm not one of those like, oh, I need to watch all 162 games because, again, I'm just not going to do that. But for when I do have the time to sit down and watch a game, I want to be able to enjoy the baseball game instead of thinking, well, what else could I be watching or doing? Well, there's only so many times that you can watch like DJ LeMahieu or Glaber Torres ground out softly to the left side and squander another rally or watch Luke Voigt bounce into a double play and just be like, oh, yeah, this is, this is some good good play that I'm watching right now. So, yeah, I, I don't <laughs> – I definitely feel for you there. It's just like the – expectations versus reality thing was just a tough pill to swallow because as you said like in those other years yeah like the Yankees had better records this year than then and they technically made the wild card game in this one but and, and they even had like you know that one thing that we didn't talk about during the feats of strength is that 13 game winning streak remember that that was a thing that happened this year <laughs> yeah that happened this year <laughs> oh shit it did but because like they didn't do anything like really other than that it was just like great thank you thank you for playing <laughs> but, but not really yeah that, that, that was i just that gets lost they're drowned out in the darkness but that was a thing that happened but yeah it was rough again i'm gonna say that word a lot during these airing of grievances but i don't yeah. know what other word to use yeah that's that's kind of what i had to say on that topic <laughs> what's your yeah. next uh grievance that's fair Joey Gallo, that was not what we wanted to see from him after the Yankees traded for him. I know we listed like the move to get him as a feat of strength, but what he actually did was not good. And yeah. that was just like bringing out every single fear that every single like like shock jock and Yankees fan who slammed the move just because of the strikeouts. It just made them think, oh yeah, well that's exactly the player that Joey Gallo is. Joey Gallo is a better hitter than he showed, but he was just so bad that like it was frustrating after a while to be like this is like i gotta defend this guy because like he wasn't showing what he was doing in texas at all yeah and it's like weird to see people are like like they're like oh yeah see i told you so i was right about like a guy who had been having a very good year he was an all-star up until that point like Mm -hmm. sometimes they do kind of just throw petty all-star invites out there but they still find like the guy most deserving for it or whatever and like yeah the rangers were bad but joey geller was deserving of an all-star nod and you know he'd been he had been putting up a very good season so i don't know what the hell happened the one thing that really annoyed me or i was just got sick and tired about hearing was like up until like before the yankees actually made the move and uh traded for him like you kept hearing about joey gallo has grounded into nine double plays in his whole career or whatever and the one thing i like started to consider was like is it just because the texas offense was so bad that nobody was on base in front of him (laughs) yeah it's like never mind no one no one's around here that's part of it like, I don't know if anybody actually looked at his ground out or ground ball percentage compared to the d- number of double plays. Like, double plays only happen if somebody else is on base in front of you. <laughs> like, yeah. Granted, like, he still was avoiding, like, ground balls a lot, but, like, that is everywhere. No, yeah. <laughs> One third of his career uh, ground or double plays came in his, like, two months with the Yankees than he had previously at all. Woo! Yay! Way to go, man. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Yeah, no, like I said, the move was good, but the, the player was not uh, not exactly what you wanted. No. Okay. Who's your next guy? All right. I don't have many more left, just a heads yeah. up. But, we, we, um, we, can go, uh, we can go rapid fire if you want. Yeah, mine is just going to be the lack of uh, action this offseason overall. Just, again, obviously going into lockout, 
I didn't expect much, but then there was like a whole free agent frenzy the week before the lockout started. And to see the Yankees not involved at all was disappointing, especially with like Corey Seager, who most people I think expected the Yankees to kind of be in on him. Yeah, uh, we'll see. There's still obviously plenty of time technically for whenever the lockout ends for them to make like a big major league free agent signing, but I don't have my hopes up. And this was, again, we say this often about the Yankees the past few years, but this was a very good time to make some moves, especially because, Labor Torres is clearly not the answer at shortstop, and this was uh, the year of the shortstop as far as free agents were concerned. Yeah, and like the move is not just to like you know cross your fingers, wait for another couple guys who maybe could have gotten a few strength and Anthony Volpe and Oswald Peraza, who both had extremely good seasons in the minor leagues at shortstop. But you don't want to have to be counting on them immediately for like 2023. You don't know what things will happen between now and then. And then how they'll go at the major league level. Like we've seen enough Yankees prospects frustrate where like, even though I feel pretty good about those guys, you should just, you don't need to get cute about this. You can still sign one of these big names and just remedy the problem and then find another spot for them. You know? Yeah. That's the thing. Like you don't have to be like, Oh, well we're going to block these guys. First of all, I don't think there's any such thing because you know, you could always have one of these shortstops you sign eventually move over to third or something like that, or maybe start teaching these guys to play third in the minors and, you know, shift them or whatever, or you could use them as trade chips to, you know, address another area later on, but you kind of have to deal across that bridge when you get there, especially when it comes to like baseball and prospects. Like it's one thing if it's like basketball, hockey, football, like some one of the other sports where there's really not much as much minor league development time as needed and not as much question marks where, you know, those guys, if you're a prospect coming up or whatever, if people think you're good, you're probably going to be good. Whereas this, there's like so much discrepancy or d- difference between the major league level and just one level be- uh, below it. You can't just depend on that. No. <sighs> well, yeah. Anything else you want to run through before I hit my last few? No, I think I'm done actually. Okay. Well, just a few more. Uh, Garrett Cole's playoff start. Ew, that was bad. Didn't yeah. want that. I know he was partially <laughs> nope. injured, but man, that was not pleasant. <laughs> Phil Nevin's wild card game send. Remember that? Oh God, that was a thing. I forgot Phil Nevin was a thing. Why didn't I grieve about him? <laughs> yeah. Well, shout out to Phil Nevin, who I think is on the Angels staff now. They're just getting the old gang back together with Andrew Velasquez, <laughs> Tyler Wade, and Phil Nevin, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Then we'll also shout out uh, Debbie Garcia. Oh, man how far prospects can fall in one year. There's another example of that. I was going to say, that's the perfect example for Volpe and Peraza right there. Yeah, and granted, pitchers can sometimes have a lot more variance, but even still, oh boy, that was terrible. And funny that Yankees like pretty much canned their AAA pitching coach like halfway through the season. Gio, wonder what happened there. Like there's always Mm. been, there's already been whispers about it, but man, hopefully Debbie can find himself again in 2022, but he was, his ship may have sailed just like that. And um, let's see. Oh, and then also Zach Britton's UCL. That was sad because I really like Zach Britton. And you could see how that was bothering him for a lot of that season. And then it pretty much ended things right then and there. Yeah, that that especially made me sad because I think I gave him a Yankee of the week before the season even started just because of like him just being at least from what we can tell an upstanding or good guy. And so it was just hard to see that. Oh, I do have one more grievance, actually, for whenever you're done. Oh, yeah. My only other thing was Chad Green giving up like 14 backbreaking home runs, it felt like. But, and like 10 of them to Jose Altuve. Yeah, oh, there is, again, some more more missing wins there, but whatever. All right. I think that's that's it for me. Yeah, I just thought of this one and I don't know how this wasn't number one on my list. But having to see David Robertson in a Tampa Bay's Rays uniform was absolutely rude. Just throwing it out there. I hated it. Don't do so it again. there. That's it. That's it. That's it. Just yeah. I don't want. I don't like seeing him in a Rays uniform, and I hate it. I don't want to see it again. Yeah, and it's not like he even was that good. And as no. a Ray, it was just like annoying to see. Yeah, I mean, he I think he pitched in like three games or something like that. Three, four games. Twelve games, apparently, <laughs> and three in the playoffs. Oh yeah, that's the thing. The playoffs. I yeah, remember the, when I never... you know the Tampa Magic suddenly vanished in the middle of their series against the Red Sox, and then the Red Sox almost made the World Series because of it. That was great. Yeah. Stupid Rays. Worthless. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, have we reached the end of our grievance journey? I think so. It's probably time to give people a break. Yeah. Give, give people a break from us. Give people a break from the Yankees. Continued. And uh, <laughs> exactly. 
for it. Obviously, there's no Yankee Mitre of the Week this week because basically this is an entire Yankee Mitre uh, episode, except with different sort of terms. So, hey, there you go. Yep, pretty much. Well, what will we'll you see do? Everybody next year. <laughs> what will you do with your lockout? Me, I'm gonna continue not watching any sports because um, the Giants are really bad uh, <laughs> as an organization and as a football team and everything. Yeah, and uh, I don't really care much for basketball. That's not a that's not a knock to anybody who does. It's just not my cup of tea. And uh, the Devils have uh, not been fun to watch recently either. So I'm just gonna keep watching TV and movies that are streaming and finish the Hawkeye series. Watch Spider-Man No Way Home again, which everyone should go watch because it was fantastic. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Sounds good <laughs> to me. I'm, I plan on watching, well, probably already watched the Hawkeye finale by the time this episode comes out. So there you go. Oh yeah, that's true. Because I think it airs on Wednesday. <laughs> yep. Other than that, just catching up on more shows that I have ignored watching because I was watching baseball for a lot of the season. But yeah, not really inquiring much on these other sports at the moment. Because they're not really yep. giving me a lot of reason to. So, hey. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Pinstrip Alley podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Pinstrip Alley. You can follow me on Twitter at Merns PSA. Where can people follow you this week? Uh, you can also follow me at Merns PSA. Go bother him. <laughs> Everyone else has been bothered all year. <laughs> Just spread the wealth. <laughs> <laughs> or don't. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Follow your heart. Unlike yes, the Yankees. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Talk to you guys later. Happy, yep. Have a happy new year, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Yeah, happy holidays and happy new year. A festivus for the rest of us. <laughs>